All right, everyone. Well, we got a fun one here today. It's Mike from America's Hometown Horror, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's one of the most talked about horror movies of at least 2023, or ones that I can remember in, in recent memory. Uh, a lot of people calling it destined to be the next cult film. Uh, people such as all of us on this podcast, and of course, we are talking about the latest found footage phenomenon, The Outwaters, which you can catch in theaters and also streaming on Screenbox right now. And Andrew, Matt, and I are thrilled to be joined by writer, director, and star of The Outwaters, Robbie Banfitch. Robbie, thanks so much for taking the time, man. Great to talk to you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Anytime we can get a guest on the show to talk about a movie as, uh, as fun as the one that you just put out, we'll certainly take it. But uh, what, what's the last couple of weeks been like for you? Sort of a whirlwind? Just very busy. Lots of it, it just feels like work, 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 checking things, reading things, um, processing things. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. I, told, sure. I told myself that for my first movie, I'd read everything. Um, so there's a lot to read. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was going to ask if you uh, if you try to pay attention to all the feedback this movie's been getting. I'm sure it can probably be overwhelming to uh, to look at everything that comes out. Yeah, I, uh, I'm reading up until a like yesterday, basically, I was reading everything. Now it's becoming a bit too, too much to I have other like I have to, I still have to deliver the movie for international and um, make a new trailer and all these other things. So I have to kind of I also need like an office and not this like space between my bathroom and the rest <laughs> of my studio. Uh, feeling quite disorganized so yes a bit overwhelming but fun I'm sure good uh, yeah i'm sure it's been fun too and yeah no no worries on the home office because obviously we're we're doing all the same i'm coming from my basement here and i think <laughs> andrew yep. and matt are pretty much doing the same so you know I, I know you got a lot going on so we're super appreciative of the time so we just want to go around and ask you some questions about the movie and uh talk to you a little bit so matt why don't you uh kick us off yeah um just this is probably a basic one but uh inspiration for the movie and where did you come up with the idea for the story um the word outwaters itself which isn't a word i i like the word outlands i was probably watching the sean connery movie outland and i was like oh outwaters is like a cool word therefore a cool film title mm -hmm. um and and at the same time i probably was something about making a found footage movie was doing so somehow they joined together so the outwaters found footage movie started with the title and um started to think of what a movie called the outwaters might be about okay now that i had uh, uh one of the other things i was curious about was it, if this was always a found footage idea there was never mm -hmm. any consider okay cool uh, yeah um yes and i could think of many ways to to do it not found footage wise but of course um i'm talking to you from between a bathroom and a studio so i have no money to uh go out and make a movie <laughs> um <laughs> with like a crew but, you know well hopefully after so, it, this makes its run that'll change <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah no, i have a new movie coming out uh, at a festival in a month and that's awesome. also found footage totally different not wild and crazy Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I would like to get back to um, classically composed shots and, and stuff like that. I've done two found footage movies now and it's awesome and freeing, 
but I want to start storyboarding again and that kind of thing. Variety. Never awesome. a bad thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, so I was going to ask you, uh, Robbie, so, you know, obviously I would say the the basic plot of the story follows, you know, the four main characters as they are, you know, in the desert filming this music video. And I feel like obviously they're, you know, yourself and and Scott and Ange, um, and but it feels very much like the uh, the desert is a character of its own. Like I almost kind of thought of like the first season of True Detective, very much felt like Louisiana was its own character in the show as opposed to the main cast. So, uh, and obviously that's another, another, you know, uh, story that kind of has its roots in some weird fiction, which I think definitely is at play here. So I just wanted to know what it was like shooting in the desert and if it was as creepy as it looked uh, in the movie when you were actually out there doing it. It was only creepy when I was, the nights that we had to camp um, and, and not because of the movie, just because I always get scared camping, even though I, I'm a nature boy and I love camping and, and um, being in the wilderness, I, I still always get scared. So sleeping in a tent where you can, there's nothing to protect you from it, from the outside world and like letting yourself fall asleep, knowing that there's nothing to protect you. There's no walls. That's always scary. Especially after I saw back country, the movie with the bear attack done really well. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> not that there are bear in the Mojave desert, but, um, there are people in nearby towns, <laughs> so. Um, but no, I always wanted to cool. make a horror movie in the desert because the original Hills Have Eyes and and um, uh, even though Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not the desert, like that whole sun-beaten vibe is I love, like dusty sun stuff, the glowering sun, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can imagine. So I know we, we kind of talking we're a little little talking a little bit excuse me about the found footage element of the film and you know I've heard your movie compared very favorably to classics like the Blair Witch Project I think you know Matt and I when we talked about it after we saw the movie we've heard people comparing it to like a mix between the Blair Witch and some of the nightmare visions from Event Horizon which I feel like is a uh, you know kind of an over oversimplification but you know I feel like it's an interesting comparison so. Obviously, I think Blair Witch with the whole camping intent element had a huge influence on your film. Were there any other found footage movies that you, you know, looked to for inspiration here? Uh, Willow Creek, just in that it, um, just in that nice. it felt natural to me in a way that a lot of them don't. Uh, I liked the characters in Willow Creek. They liked each other generally <laughs> and the footage felt authentically found. Um, so that but yeah no event horizon was also the, the the little tape they watch on event horizon is one of the scariest things for me as a horror fan uh, i remember when i saw that film i thought i was seeing like a star wars type of movie my dad took me and i just think the poster <laughs> was a spaceship so that movie really freaked me out i've always loved event horizon so that's that that tape was definitely an inspiration for some of this uh yeah awesome yeah, and I feel like just to, to go on what you were just saying, I feel like the you know the setup, the first act of the film, and obviously it's divided into the three memory cards, you know, establishing the connection between the characters up front, I feel like really makes the horror that much more jarring when it comes later on in the movie. So I thought that was a, a key element of it, at least for me. 
And, you know, I can see what you meant with the Willow Creek influence there. So cool. Yeah, I wasn't expecting I, uh, that one. I got to say. What Willow Creek? Yeah. Well, it, it's just that when I, uh, I remember I was watching that with Ange in at my, um, my mom's house in New Jersey, like years ago. And, and I was like, Oh, all right, here's one that feels like found. Let's go do it. You know? So it's also just one that I watched and wanted me, made me want to get up off of the uh, couch and get busy. Awesome. All right, Andrew, I know you had a couple questions too. Uh, yeah. So um, you guys did a really good job of um, utilizing sound in this movie to just build the tension and the fear in it. And I've always found it interesting. Um, like I know in Jurassic park to get the sound of the T-Rex, they use like six different animals. Um, so I was just kind of curious, like what animals did you guys use for some of those sounds in particular? Were they the same animals that we saw like the donkeys and um, stuff like that? Or all kinds of, uh, I could say that there was uh, definitely a walrus in there. <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of animals plus animals mixed with things that are not animals so uh i definitely use donkey sounds but use them for the actual donkeys so gotcha the, do the actual donkeys weren't making too much noise they were just like eerily looking at me so yeah but no um sound was very fun to play with and limitless possibilities in terms of blending different things to create something i haven't heard before um it it was kind of hard to stop trying to experiment with different sounds. And that T-Rex thing, I, you know, I, I had seen obviously like the making of Jurassic Park when I was little and I knew that that was a thing you could do, blend animal sounds to make new sounds because of the T-Rex. So that, that blend always stuck with me since I was a kid. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you guys did a phenomenal job with that. I mean, that just made that movie even more disorienting than I think it would have been just with the visuals alone, but. Thanks. Yeah, I worked on the sound design for two years, so it was wow. like, but I love, I loved it. It was like fun. I could keep working on it, but I can't anymore because it's delivered. But I could keep playing with the sound <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I just got to jump in here too because the sound I think was obviously one of the scariest parts of the movie. And I know, un unfortunately, Andrew and Kat didn't get a chance to see it in theaters, but Matt and I did, and. Let me tell you, uh, seeing that in a theater with the sound just absolutely bumping was it just took the whole experience to a different level. So, yeah, it was it was really cool because I feel like obviously there's a lot that you don't see here, a lot that's implied off off screen, but a lot that you hear. So, yeah, that was uh, that's why we were recommending, you know, we talked about the show a couple weeks ago, you know, certainly, it, you know, try and watch it in surround sound or in a, in a, on as big of a screen as you can. So. Yeah, obviously there's no control over how people watch it. I mean, but for myself, I know if I'm watching, especially a horror movie, I make sure to make sure the lights are out and try to have my TV. If you have a smaller TV, sit a little closer. Like I fill the screen, I fill my field of vision as much as a movie theater screen would be, would fill it. Um, so the best chance to give, get scared or be absorbed into the movie would be watching it in the dark with the sound up if possible yeah agree now um when so just in general like obviously you enjoy horror movies do you have like uh your big hitters for you like these are your favorite of all time or anything like that just out of curiosity 
Uh, Candyman's my favorite horror horror movie. Uh, Jaws is my all-time favorite movie, like since I since I was little. So that's horror as well. But Candyman's like I, I always Jaws is my favorite movie, and then Candyman's my favorite horror. Very movie. cool. Session, Session nine, um, the original Witch Project, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and The Shining. A lot of a lot of these ones that we all know. Mm -hmm. I love the Changeling a lot okay and Hell yeah. one more there, uh, i might shout out a movie called uh bad blood it's a portuguese kind of like eerie slow burn ghost sort of thing and i don't know how to pronounce it right but it's called coisa rim or quasi rim in uh portuguese but the english title is bad blood i love that film and not many people have heard of it uh you can yeah, get it on DVD it on amazon you can't like stream it anywhere, but you can get the DVD cheap on Amazon and it's worth it. Awesome. Awesome. Session session nine filmed up here in Massachusetts, by the way, at the, I believe it was the Danvers, Danvers uh, the yeah, Danvers abandoned hospital, which is still, still there today. Creepy location. Very, very creepy movie. I'm jealous. I didn't get to break into that one. Like uh, I have growing <laughs> up, I used to break into abandoned places all the time. And there's a, um, Willowbrook slash Seaview Asylum in uh, Staten Island, which the Donner Cropsey was about. Uh, I, I tried oh, yeah. making a feature there in high school. Uh, my dad broke me in. My dad used to break into places. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> was trying to shoot a whole feature in the abandoned Willowbrook Institute or whatever you call it. Uh, so I have, still have all that footage, but we didn't wind up finishing the actual feature because I was in high school and I got kicked out a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully after the success of this movie, they let you back in. <laughs> Finish what you started. There is a movie that, that movie Freedom Land with Julianne Moore and I think Samuel L. Jackson. Well, Julianne Moore's Freedom Land. And uh, they shot some since there, not long after I did. And I, it was cool to be able to see that on the big screen, that same abandoned stuff. I don't know how much of it's left, though. Okay. Um, so, Robbie, I wanted to ask you. I, I, I think at least, and I, I know that you uh, don't necessarily want to give too much away about what's happening in the story here, but I think it's pretty clear that there is, you know, some sort of element of cosmic horror, whether it's through Lovecraft or any other weird fiction writers, you know, on this. And I, I love those types of movies and stories. Um, you know, and I, I, I think. The Outwaters does about as good of a job as any other cosmic horror movie about showing just an absolute descent into madness. You know, I think of movies that I also like, I, like similar type movies that make me feel that way, like The Void, uh, or even like something like uh, Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse, which is just absolute madness, a descent into to hell. Um, were there was there anything? Can can you reveal anything that you were inspired by there in terms of like the weird cosmic? things that are going on in this movie i never actually thought of it as i was making it as cosmic horror i don't even necessarily aside from knowing that lovecraft is brought up a lot and like tentacles <laughs> i i don't know exactly what cosmic horror is other than having to do with something beyond our comprehension so the i i haven't even i haven't read any lovecraft though i own all of his writing, I haven't read it yet. So inspirations for how come it turned up like 
that is following the logic of the idea of the initial threat. Um, so I had an idea for a very specific idea for what was happening. And uh, I just followed the logic of how that might play out and what might um, come of that. So I guess it wound up in this Lovecraftian thing due to just subgenre or whatever. If that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know. No. How I followed some ideas and images and kept exploring them. I want to say um, one of the more enjoyable things about this movie for me was that this is kind of where I was asking about if you had always wanted this to be found footage, but it was because what's captured on the camera and is shown is like how it's, that's what I think makes this movie so impressive is because you're seeing this intense otherworldly just mind melt go on that almost seems like it's you're you're looking at somebody else's hallucination but when you keep in mind that this is all filmed on camera it's like what the fuck is he like what is happening and it's just it's so incredibly impressive to see this story play out the way it was and i think that's what's kind of makes this have this standalone um sort of element to it and i i kept thinking that as i was watching it and i it just i was just terrified what i was looking at i'm glad <laughs> yeah I, I, uh yeah i mean i just i thought with whatever is happening to them the specific thing that's happening to them like that could make for a unique found footage obviously not everything's filmed camera goes off a lot of times mm -hmm. my character is like in a daze with a head injury bewildered so um but you know, I yeah, I don't know what I'm saying now. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I wish you, I, I'm sure you've probably seen this in theaters with with you know a, a packed house. But I I wish you could have seen the reactions uh, up in Salem when Matt and I went to that showing, especially like the last 15 minutes because people were <laughs> losing their shit. Yeah. It was quite an experience to see, and you know, I just it was it was so cool to be able to go up there and, and see it early. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, but I'm sure you've you've heard similar things. But yeah, pe people seem to uh, definitely get a reaction out of the end of it. <laughs> I was trying to get to Salem because I've never met Tim, and Tim's like one of my favorite musicians of all time. So I really wanted to be there for that, but could not make it work. So yeah, well, but no, I definitely I come up when you can. People. It's a lot of fun. I, I I would like to be able to do something there again at cinema Salem if they'll have me uh, for like, cause there's two companion short films. There's a, a prequel memory card uh, and a, a uh, epilogue comprised of like restored footage of corrupted footage from these, uh, from the memory cards. So I wanted to put together like a whole little thing for people who are interested. So I do hope to get back there. And also like, I love Salem. Oh, it's it's so much fun, it's so yeah. much fun. A lot to do. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about the extra memory cards because I know I, I heard you talk about that in another interview that you did. Um, can we expect to see those probably on like a Blu-ray release or like what's um, what? What do you think will happen with those? They'll definitely be on the Blu-ray. That they were made. I, I made them with the intent of having them on the Blu-ray in lieu of like making of shit. Um, I wanted to keep everything in world, uh, so. 
uh, they'll be there. They're going to play back to back in a movie theater in San Francisco at Unnamed Footage Festival next month. So people in San Francisco will have a chance to see them on the big screen, which is cool. Um, and I, I do believe they'll be streaming at some point along with the Outwaters. I'm just not sure the timeline of that. So people will have definitely have a chance to awesome. check them out. Yeah. Awesome. For people who thought the movie was too long, here's some 50 more minutes of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love these much of this, this world that I can get. Yeah. Wait, every time Andrew speaks, I so I can't hear. I feel like I'm ignoring Andrew. Oh, that's all right. I was just saying, I feel like that movie didn't feel like it was an hour and 50 minutes. Like you could easily get another 30, 40 minutes in there and it, it wouldn't feel forced at all. Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I like it. The length it is. That's why it's the length it is. So I'm happy with, <laughs> I'm happy with the, the pacing and like, but no card zero is, is a, the prequel. It's like the last memory card my character uses before I switch memory cards to the one that winds up in the desert. So it shows um, some cringy gay relationship stuff. It's like me and my boyfriend and Michelle go out to scout locations in the desert that we might film at. So um, it's kind of like a relationship found footage movie, uh, but with an air of doom hanging over it because you know <laughs> how it winds up. And then the right. epilogue is is just all this it's the epilogue is the most ambitious thing I've ever done in terms of editing and high concept. I'm using air quotes, high concept <laughs> stuff. So that one's one to watch in the dark and you won't know what's about to happen. It's kind of very strange, stranger than the outwaters. <laughs> that one's called file <laughs> wow. DL624. I did like, as the characters are going out into the desert, you do this thing where you flip everything upside down and, um, it reminded me um, of in Midsommar from Ari Aster, as they go over to Sweden, the kind of the same idea. And I was curious if you had like kind of the same thought as this, they're literally like, and metaphorically world is being tipped upside down. If I'm getting any, I, I know that there's this trend of like upside down stuff. Um, I started, I'm, I, I like I started in trying my first feature, which isn't out yet, I shot in like 2016, has a lot of upside down stuff, but it's actually a lot inspired from Terrence Malick's. Um, okay. There's a lot of upside down beauty stuff in, in Tree of Life. And I'm, I was, that seeing Terrence Malick do that gave me, made me feel like I had freedom to do different things with the camera. So I do know that it's starting to get used in horror movies a lot, but a lot of the upside down stuff just comes from freedom I felt from seeing Terrence Malick's like later films, if that makes sense. Cool. I do remember the the upside down shot in Midsummer though. And I remember watching it and being like, oh shit, everybody's doing upside down stuff now. I had already <laughs> shot I had already shot X Valis, which has a lot of stuff like that. I was like, oh damn, just, this is gonna become a thing, isn't it? I think it's a cool subtle way though, just of showing like everything is not about to be the way it seems. And like that yeah. very quickly like there's certain things that in that whole first day that they're there and then that first night that like that rhythmic boom that keeps coming in at night is I remember going to bed after seeing the movie and being like, wow, if there was like a thunderstorm tonight, I'd be, <laughs> be sweating it out right now. Yeah, thunderstorms <laughs> still scare me, even though I love 
love them and I love nature. But to go back to the upside down shot stuff, actually, because some people talk about it like it's an annoying trope. Ah, upside down. You know what? Like, so is like a regular, a medium close up is also like a over, like let everything, you know, upside down is interesting. There's a whole movie, I think it's called Upside Down or something. The whole thing's upside down. I think Kirsten Dunst is in it. I'm not sure, but I, it, it, it's interesting. <laughs> I see a lot of like I recently just watched a rewatch of Climax by Gaspar No and like obviously I'm I always think that like really intricate and cool camera work is effective and I don't know if you've seen that but there's a lot of crazy long shot stuff of swirling cinematography and stuff so anytime I see that kind of thing I always I always think it's a very cool aspect something different Yeah I going up so, so it's something um i mean I, i'm sure it's been around for forever i've been had a whole tilt going upside down thing too going on so it just depends on the movie and the scene and if it works or not so i'm glad it right. worked for you in mine <laughs> <laughs> also i have my character kind of be like a cinematographer who's kind of interested in camera work so it's also a good excuse to be able to play with the camera a little bit in the first half Awesome. Like my character as I sit here with my Terrence Malick book. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, Robbie, I just got to ask you, I know, um, you know, Outwaters and Skin and Marink are probably two of the most talked about movies that have come out this year. And I think um, I've seen a lot of comparisons between your movie and Skin and Marink, um, mainly in the sense that they're kind of, you know, what people are calling like liminal horror. And a lot of people are saying that this is going to be the next big thing, especially with um, A24 announcing they're going to make a movie based on the back rooms that's going to be coming out. Um, I was just curious as to whether or not, um, you know, what you what you think about that trend and if you think it's going to be something that, uh, you know, something, a trend that you've helped set moving forward for horror movies. I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I, Kyle, <laughs> Kyle from Skin, like Kyle and I have talked about this. I don't think, Personally, I don't think Outwaters is very experimental. I think it, it's it, aside from some stuff that happens in the second half that I wasn't I wasn't trying to be experimental. I was just, like I said earlier, trying to follow the logic of the story. I feel like I don't know if there's a trend or if Kyle and I just happen to make these two movies around the same time and they're both kind of weird and divisive, and we're both gay in our thirties, so maybe there's there might be some extra connecting going on. But it is interesting because Backrooms sure. played with outwaters um at unnamed footage festival last year so they showed backrooms and then outwaters back to back which was, and that was the first time i had seen backrooms um I'm, I'm excited for that so if there's new things happening i i certainly would not take any kind of credit for any of that i just was trying to make a movie and this is what happened and it just came out sure. so i don't know some people yeah. would be like no, no more of this please so who knows <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, I I've seen Skin and Marink, and I I didn't personally see a lot of similarities between Skin and Marink and, and your movie, um, but I I also think that uh, I'm excited for the back rooms because that's scary as hell. I've watched the whole thing on YouTube a couple of times, and it's very creepy. So it was I get cool it. I get the, the idea. I saw. I'm excited for that. But yeah, no, actually, it's strangely built the the epilogue film for Outwaters is a lot more like Skin and Marink. Than uh, 
I remember watching Skin and Rink and then calling Kyle and being like, hey, just so you know, I just saw Skin and Rink. And when you watch the epilogue, like the 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 file VL624 is way more abstract and Skin and Rink like than the Outwaters. It has a lot to do with like voice stuff. There's a there's a voice that comes on. Okay. Like, they sound almost like the same entity. I'm like, oh. <laughs> cool. Andrew, uh, Matt, you guys got any other questions for Robbie? I mean, I guess all I would ask is, what do you think was the most difficult part of like bringing Outwaters to fruition for you? Um, mm. Getting it to the point where I felt like it was a good movie, which just took a lot of extra shoots and, and editing and playing you know i'm very picky and i'm um a perfectionist so if you take a movie that has so many possibilities in different areas that, that it can go in like this it's it's hard to feel like i finished the edit i'm always having new i still have new ideas for the outwaters and now that even though it's done <laughs> so just feeling like i've come to a place where it's ready to enter festivals was probably the the most difficult part because i also had the freedom to just go shoot more stuff if i wanted to so um i could prolong it as long as i wanted to but but yeah no that that part that makes sense because it seems like it's one of those type of movies where depending on how you edited it it could have been four or five completely different ended up completely differently than it was so that makes sense yeah like the first version of outwaters was so weird if you like way weirder than this one all the way through so yeah i don't even uh, you know i wish i saved that first edit i don't know i don't have it anymore so i'm curious um so i heard about this movie initially andrew and i went and saw terrifier 2 we were fortunate enough to actually have a showing of it um only a town over so we were able to go see it, and there was a really good trailer for the Outwaters. Very minimal. You didn't see much. You heard bees buzzing outside, kind of this like paranoid sort of situation going on, and you're just getting hammered with these like wild critic quotes that were all over it. So it's like, all right, that's cool. It doesn't show you too much, but it's definitely interesting. Now, what was your process after making the movie and then kind of getting this, like you did festival circuits, I imagine, and then kind of just like went from there or did you reach out to Bloody Disgusting and anyone else and just kind of see what they thought? Um, so after the, after I felt like it was good enough to enter festivals, I entered a, I entered a bunch. I got into a few and then the, just, I got good reviews out of the first couple of festivals I was in, and that led to more festivals uh, expressing. Oh, I hope we didn't lose Robbie here. Hello. Oh, sorry. I think you're back now. Sorry about that. I think we lost you for a sec. You can hear me? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep, now we can okay. hear you. Yeah, no, Bloody Disgusting saw the movie at Panic Fest, so they reached out expressing interest, and um, I like them a lot, so it worked out. Mm -hmm. 
Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So do we. We like them a lot too. <laughs> awesome site. They're great. Cool. Um, I got two more questions for you. Quick ones, Robbie. Um, so first, the donkeys in the movie. Was that planned or did they just happen to be around when you guys were out shooting? They happened to be around. I didn't know there were wild donkeys. Um, so that was a surprise. And um, shot them, but I kind of wrote them into the whole structure of the movie as I started. So I, I did all kinds of shots in different states of mind that my character, I knew my character was going to be in. So I kind of wrote them into the structure of the movie so they could be in different places. And I shot them in different ways, knowing that I could put them in later and my character would be in this state filming like this. So yeah, they quickly became um, part of the screenplay. Uh, That's awesome. It, I, I knew I only had like so many minutes to capture all of that. So luckily got them. They were real <laughs> yeah. good. They were really I thought it just added a weird, just a weird, creepy element to it because you, it was all like they're obviously they're adorable, but it's just like, okay, what are these donkeys doing here? Because I didn't know that there were donkeys in the middle of the desert either. So I thought it was just funny. Yeah. And then obviously, like they, they, you know, they go ahead. I'm excited that EO is playing with the Outwaters um, at a couple of theaters still. <laughs> that donkey movie, EO. <laughs> yeah. 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 There you go. Uh, it's the year of the donkey. Um, and Last question I had for you, if I, if I, my information is correct, um, that is actually your mom playing your mom in the movie, correct? Mm -hmm. And yes, what's, what's her mom. response been to this whole thing? Kind of finding herself uh, in the middle of, of being in this movie that's getting all this success. She loves it. She loves it. Um, she's, <laughs> a, you know, she, she's reading everything too. I'm trying to tell her not to, cause she's seeing lots of things that are, you know, she wants to fight with people who don't like it. It's, uh, <laughs> she's not. I've made sure. Like, hey, you're, it's okay to not like the movie. But, you know, it must be hard for... If, if I'm reading something about someone that I care about and they're like, yes, hate this person. You know, I understand. But, no, she's loving it. And she came to a few of the Q&As. And um, she's in my next movie very heavily. So... I'm excited for people to see that because it's it's a straightforward, a little bit more straightforward, lots of character and acting stuff. Um, and she's great in it. So I'm excited. Lucky my mom's a good actress. <laughs> yeah, she is. awesome. Okay, cool. Matt, Andrew, anything else for Robbie? Um, I just want to, you said you have a new project coming out. So are you sticking with horror and genre or do you think you'll branch out and do any other kind of uh, types of filmmaking or anything? I want to make all kinds of movies, mainly dramas, horror, some musicals. Okay. Um, the upcoming film called Tinsman Road is way more mystery drama horror than um, like fucked up horror so uh it's, it's it's more it would still be found on the horror shelf but it's way more of like a character driven mystery type of thing that winds cool. up in the horrific uh and then my first feature which isn't out yet because i don't have i need to still get a composer for that one that's like a black and white silent art house type of drama 
thing. So I, I there's all kinds of movies I want to make. I will always want to make horror movies though. So I'm not like gonna. I'll still always be making a horror movie in between other movies. I have too many right. ideas, and I love it too much. That's awesome. You're good at it. So <laughs> for sure, yeah, keep them coming. We'll yeah. keep watching them. So. Yeah, uh, definitely. Whatever you put out, I'll be checking out going forward. Because uh, yeah, the Outwaters has definitely stuck with me since. Now watched it. I've now watched it twice. But it's just uh, one of those movies that you can't stop thinking about. Well, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> You're welcome, and thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Anything else for Robbie before we let him go here? That that, that should do it for me. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, Robbie, um, you know, very appreciative of your time. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about the movie with us. Um, and I would say if you have not seen The Outwaters yet, go get yourself a subscription to Screenbox and check it out or go find it in a theater. Thanks again, Robbie. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank of you. course, guys. Of course. And uh, he is Robbie Banfitch, writer, director and star of The Outwaters. Go check it out now. Hey everyone, it's Mike from America's Hometown Horror. I just wanted to say thank you again for listening to another episode of our show because, of course, we would be nothing without you listeners. If you are interested in more local Plymouth podcasts, I would highly recommend you check out uh, some shows by our cohorts on the Inebriart Podcast Network. That's right, the Inebriart Podcast Network, folks. In addition to America's Hometown Horror, you can find the Inebriart Podcast, Bar Talk, Theme Park Legends, Retro Redoctopus and Old Colony Cast, head on over and give them a listen.